2: Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast. We're meeting Groves, ex-Scotland International, and adopted Frenchman Johnny BT. We're going to be joined by Bordeaux attack coach Noel McNamara shortly. And we'll pick the bones out of all the festive top 14 action before looking ahead to a big couple of weeks for the French clubs in the Champions Cup after most of them didn't start particularly well. But first, Happy New Year, Johnny. We're still saying that
1: now, yeah? I think we are, mate. Happy New Year. Do you have a good one? It was okay. Yeah. Frantic as ever. How about you? I think everyone has the same. It was okay. (laughs) Was it a holiday?
2: I don't know. Was it a break?
1: It was a break from work, but you know, like two weeks away back in Scotland, pissed it down every day. Great to have out for drinks, catch up with old schoolmates and friends and socialize. Two weeks is quite a long time living in anyone's pockets. If it's your parents, your in-laws, so I was ready to come home by the end, but... No, it was cool. Very cool to get back to see the kids celebrate Christmas with their family and their wider family was excellent, but nice also to get back to France. Not going to lie.
2: Mine was a little more local than yours, as is always the case. And yeah. if there's anything that's going to cheer me up, it's you talking about travel, Johnny. So oh, fucking hell. We, we exchanged a few voice notes and you are... Always, I'm travelling via here, here, so go and give us an insight. Do you spend about two days travelling back and forth to Scotland?
1: Well, I live in a lovely part of the world, but it's it's not easy to get to. You pay the price. Well, it's just those times of year where there's nothing direct, so you have to drive down to Bilbao, which is about two hours, or you drive up to Bordeaux, but we had to go Bilbao to Amsterdam, wait there for a bit, and then go to Amsterdam, Glasgow, and do the same on the way back, but on the way back, we didn't get home till about two in the morning. And you didn't take in the sights of Amsterdam with the kids, no, for a couple of hours? There were no bongs and crepes, mate. There was no (laughs) smoking a pancake. There was nothing.
2: And that's Christmas. New Year? Any resolutions?
1: Oof, there's a few. And I'm not one for resolutions, but I am four years out of rugby, but I look like I've been out of rugby for about 50 years. Man (laughs) bod, boobs, saggy ass uh, the whole whole nine yards mate Uh, I cannot run the length of myself I'm an embarrassment four years out of rugby but I also and I get this more and more I don't think MD's got it down but my work-life balance yes probably needs addressed and I think everyone that is our age that is trying to look after themselves look after a family socialize have a good crack with mates we haven't cracked it so the first part is definitely physical take better care of myself the second part is get that balance better. So go out for a beer with mates, or out for a meal with the wife, spend more time with the kids, and generally be more present. I'm not sure if that's the right thing, but you're so caught in the hamster wheel of trying to do well and trying to work that you never quite get it right. And that second part is probably counterintuitive to the first part of trying to be physically better in shape. So probably going to be sat here in 2025 saying the exact same thing. Um, But those are mine. Yours? I was going to say amen to
2: both of those. They can be joint resolutions for both of us. We won't achieve them, but we'll aim. The other one is the other half, the better half has been decluttering, I think, in the first week. She goes back to work after maternity leave shortly and she's been sprucing up the house. I don't know. I think that's a thing. You can see, Johnny, the listeners won't be able to. It hasn't happened in my office. It's
1: a state. So, you know, there's a resolution, short term. I love as well that all these resolutions actually come from our missus, don't they? Yeah, yes, you, should probably, you should probably physically do it, but you should probably chuck some shit out and sort your life out. Yeah, you're right. On the rugby,
2: before we get into stuff on the field, obviously the main news over the past week or so has centred around the top 14. And Owen Farrell, is he heading to
1: Racing next season? What are the reports in France? Mate, they're mad keen. Everyone here is mad keen. Racing put out a, communica- a, communique, a communication to say, you know, play it down. It wasn't convincing, was it? That communication well- was... It's not
2: confirmed, but it, w- it didn't dispute that there were talks.
1: Neither confirm nor deny that we're talking, but hmm. nothing's been officially... Oh, look, they- they're in the market for a Big Ten. They have been for a while. Like In the past, there have been your Dan Carters. They've had big signings. They were after one of the Barrett brothers last year. It didn't happen. They've got two youngsters that are excellent. Tristan Tedder and Antoine Gibert, are playing well in a system that is going well for them so far. They're flying the top 14, but they want a marquee 10 and Everyone knows that in France, and they haven't been shy about quashing those rumours. And it all sort of lines up, like Farrell taking a break with International, maybe falling out of love with it. Lancaster's worked with them before. They worked really well together as part of the English setup. The big budget, he would give himself a good payday. Logistically, he's not too far from where he is. It's not like he's the south of France and lost. It's Paris. So it all makes sense, mate. I think it'd be a great move for him. And could still
2: return to England in time to play at the next World Cup if the rules don't change.
1: If, but then if you look at the list of players that are coming over or are due to come over this summer, England are going to have to do something. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, I understand that the financial mechanisms and the power of the premiership can't compare at the minute to the top 14, but... When you look at Arundel, now already gone, Farrell potential, Ludlam, Sinclair, Johnny Hill, reportedly as well this week, to to Leon. there are others. So they're about to lose the the chunk of their best. It's not going to be just middle-of-the-road English players coming to France. It's going to be your elite, um, and you're going to lose your best players. They're not going to be playing the Prem. So the RFU have got a big decision to make over the next six months. What is their rule going to be? I think they're going to have to change something. Otherwise, they're going to keep losing players. So yeah, but... For the league, it's exciting. It is great to see, and we haven't seen that many English players in the top 14 for years, not since your Simon Shaw's, your Sheridan's, your Johnny Wilkinson's down in Toulon. There haven't been that many. So it's great for the international market to see these players coming on and they're top class players. It's not like they're middle of the road washed up Scottish boards or Saffirs or you know like these are top class in the international so I'm excited to see them come and I hope that the RFU loosens a little bit their ruling to allow them to have that experience which is different and it's rich culturally in the different places you get the experience while still playing in international rugby which I think is also important so hopefully they change something If that move does come off it may mean that
2: Maru stays at Saracens as the marquee player there'll be more cash for him there who knows one England international, more at the end of his career, who has been linked with France, but not the top 14 at the moment. Courtney Laws isn't off to Provence, is he? Why wouldn't he?
1: (laughs) That's part of the world.
2: Have you been to Provence? A long time
1: ago, yeah. Mate, catch up with Jimmy Gopperth, who I caught up with Mm. over the World Cup, and ask him about his days and what he thinks of Provence. It's magical. And for Courtney Laws, you go into a club that, and you say Courtney Laws, and you think, oh, that doesn't fit. Well, they've got Jimmy Gopperth, they've got Tamada Harrison, they've... George North has lined up to go there next season as well. So they have big investment, huge ambition, and he'd be perfect for them as a 4-6, bringing some experience. He was still world-class at the World Cup. I thought he was one of England's best players. So, again, the financial decisions that are going to come into play, there is less finance in the Premiership. He is no longer an England international. He's retired. Therefore, Northampton have to stump up and pay his full pay packet. They don't get any help from the RFU. So it makes sense. You're moving for that dream move in the south of France in one of the most beautiful parts of the world that you can play rugby and probably a very good paycheck. So, mate, I'd love to see him. There's a chance they come up and he's in top 14 straight away, but there's worse places to finish your rugby career um, because Provence is absolutely stunning. Right, we'll get our guest on in just a
2: minute and we will chat a lot more about the top 14 on the field over the festive period a bit later on. But first... We should find out what your meter moment
1: of the week is, Johnny. Mate, it's a couple from the same player with effectively identical action. The first one was to win his side at home against Rassing. Two weeks ago, Remy Baget stepped forward, the man, the myth, the legend. We called him the spy. Because? Because he didn't look like a rugby player. He didn't move (laughs) like a rugby player. He didn't talk like a rugby player. But then all of a sudden you chuck him a ball and he runs like a chicken a hundred miles an hour and pulls <laughs> things out of his backside that are absolutely phenomenal. So Lesbion was his nickname and he'd always be like, why are you calling me the spy? That makes no sense because it would be an insult. We didn't call it to his face, but we were always amazed by the things he managed to pull off on the field. And another two, two weekends on the trot, um, the exact same play cross, cross heel kick from Cami Lopez. He gathers the ball, then chips and rounds his man twice. First at home against Racing to win inside the game. They were down by 20 points all game. This weekend against Bordeaux, the exact same action. Crossfield kick, Cami Lopez, the same connection to Remy Baget, the spy who guddles the ball, don't know how many times, like juggles it, then knocks it off his shin. This is why he was the spy, mate. Sclaffs it off his shin, manages to outrun two people, gathers the ball, and dots down again for another try. So the exact same action, the exact same connection, but the spy from Bayon, Remy Baget is the meter moment of the week. And two weekends on the trot. Um, absolutely phenomenal.
2: It's a change of direction as well. I thought you were going to call him the crab. He runs sideways at these I mean, tries.
1: I, I don't know what you run. He doesn't even run like a, an athlete, a at rugby player. He's just incredible. Like, not the right shape, not the right size, but that that's the beauty of the sport, right? You get these guys that crop up and are capable of pulling off these things. Um, and that's it. Really cool skill set. Nearly won the game in Bordeaux for his side as well, which was the Tayeb Brew. Darby, the president of Bayonne and the now head coach of Bordeaux that can't stand each other, um, which would have been huge for Bayon to can, go to Bordeaux and win that game. Um, so yeah, two wonderful pieces of skill. Check it out on the top 14 social media pages. We shared it on our story as well. Remy Baget, a spy. There we
2: go. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe can use it on a barbecue in the oven or in a pan and you can get your hands on one at meter.com plus you can get 10% off any full price item all you have to do is enter the code frenchpod10 at checkout that's frenchpod10 and you'll get 10% off any full price item at meter.com Let's get our guest on now then, and we can have a chat with an Irishman who's moved to France via South Africa and is now in charge of one of the best backlines in world rugby. Bordeaux attack coach Noel McNamara joins us. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, very well. Thanks very much for having me on, boys.
2: Thanks very much for coming on. And you've been there about six months or so now. So how are you settling in? How are you finding it compared to all the other environments you've been in recently?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, arrived on uh, on the first of July. Um, obviously, it's been a little bit of an unusual season in, in, in the sense of you know when I arrived, World Cup uh, fever was probably just starting here in France, and unfortunately for the Irish and the French, didn't end uh, maybe as uh, as as had been hoped. And uh, yeah, obviously back into it now again. So yeah, listen, it, it, it's been brilliant. It, it's been. Uh, yeah, a bit of a whirlwind I suppose um, lots of different challenges not least uh, not least the French uh, which maybe I underestimated at the uh, at the outset but nah, it's been brilliant yeah, really enjoying it so far my family have settled well and yeah that's probably uh, a pretty important piece of the
1: jigsaw as well Mate the World Cup was still more positive for the Irish than it was for Scottish but that's for another day um, you were obviously at the Sharks with Yannick Brew who was my old coach at Bayon in South Africa so was it an easy choice to come back to Europe and follow him or did you take some convincing? Yeah
0: um, yeah, I think, t- to be honest, I, I-, I love my time in South Africa. Uh, incredibly grateful to the Sharks for the opportunity and incredibly grateful to the people uh, that have that worked it over there. Um, I must say, I-, I absolutely love the boys. Um, it- it's Yeah, there- there's an amazing group of-, of players there, but the distance from, from home, you know, it, it did become a-, a bit of a challenge. Um, I-, I think the South African teams have a lot to contend with, you, you know, in terms of the time they spend away from home. To compete in Europe there's similar challenges in terms of player availability as, as there is uh, all over, and we, we probably were at the stage where we yeah we, we were looking to, um, to to maybe get back a little bit closer to home in terms of of, of the Yannick piece. He's just a brilliant guy. You, you know, we had a fantastic relationship. We struck up a pretty instant rapport. Um, his, his vision of the game would be very similar to mine in 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 terms of you know you look at his education coming from from Toulouse and and uh, and the teams that he's coached is incredibly positive. He obviously we would have worked closely together. He would have had a pretty good insight in terms of of how uh, how, how I went to about um, about coaching and, and about that process. And yeah, I, I think once um, you know once it became clear that we wanted to kind of get a little bit closer, Yannick obviously had the opportunity in in Bordeaux and i think then it's just yeah the excitement and the challenge uh of, of the top 14 uh, you know it is a, an incredible tournament i think and, and uh we were obviously intrigued a little bit as a family about the way of life and and uh, in france and, and an opportunity to experience that adventure and and then the last piece i suppose is is um just the players and, and the opportunity to work with uh you know what what is a a fantastic group of players here in bordeaux you know something that we obviously visited with the Sharks. We played them in the Champions Cup last season, um, experienced, uh, Chaban. Um, actually my, my, first ever, I, I coached the twenties as well for three years, but my first ever game was, uh, at Chaban against, uh, against France. I got to experience Roman Intimax scoring two late tries to win the game. And uh, every day, as I walk down the tunnel to get to the main pitch in uh, in uh, in Shaban, I walk past the poster of uh, of the French 120 celebrating uh, one of the tries. So that's uh, a a nice little uh, little side story. But yeah, it, it, it was ultimately, I guess, it, it just made a very attractive prospect. You know, it's a nice city as well, and uh, yeah, that that probably all added up to uh, to being a great opportunity.
2: You've not made them set that poster down yet, then.
0: <laughs> no, it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I got a very simple We don't let the highs be too high, and don't let the lows be too low. So I think it's important to probably uh, stay balanced in uh, in the middle. But yeah, pretty much every single game, uh, <laughs> at some point I uh, I passed that poster on the way. It's a it's a back rower from Ulster, Aaron Hall, and uh, he's disconsolate uh, behind the sticks after uh, after uh, I think your Roman scored his second uh, in the second half. So there you go.
1: I think we've all got a version, though. Like I, there's one of me and my teammates when we were at Cast. And I think we shipped something like 55 points against Bordeaux. That's another one that's up there. So every time I come to do stuff for <laughs> TNT, you walk past it, everyone's got a reminder because that like it's a horrible place to go to. It's also a special ground as well because not many people have that tunnel walk. People don't know, but from like the player's yes. compound up up top and where you change, there's like, a, I don't know how long it is, like 150-meter tunnel that you have to, 100-meter tunnel maybe that you have to walk through shoulder to shoulder with your opposition to get to the field. And Bordeaux lined it with all the best moments. You know, there's Maradona, there's Zidane, there's football, there's rugby, there's all the best sporting moments. And inevitably, there's an Irishman and a Scotsman getting dumped on by one of the teams as you get to the tunnel. So it happens to us all, mate. But like talking South Africa, Ireland, and France, like the thing that really intrigues me about you is the cultural difference of all the different environments and people that you've worked with and like individuals that operate at an extremely high level. You mentioned a few of the struggles in South Africa, but I wonder if you could pick apart a little bit about the talent that you've worked with and the strengths culturally, the different places you've been and what you've seen so far, because it's an incredible journey. Not many coaches so young in their career get to do so much.
0: Yeah, listen, and, and I, I can I can put another one in there as well. I, I spent uh, four months down in New Zealand. I, I coached North Harbour in uh, in in the the Mitre Ten Cup as it was at the time, and got the opportunity to work with some fantastic players there as well. You know the guys like James Parsons who played for the All Blacks, Tavita Lee, Matt Duffy, Sean Stevenson, who's currently uh, just coming through, and and uh, and Mark Talea as well um, was uh, was there at the time. I'm I'm very lucky. I've I've had a very different uh, journey, obviously, to get to the point where where I am now, and it's probably the richness of that journey that that has, uh, yeah, that, that that has ultimately benefited me in in the long run. You know, I I started that New Zealand experience. I came from. Uh, it was in 2000 and. Uh, and eighteen, I would just taken over the uh, the Irish twenties, and uh, you know, it was facilitated by the RFU, and it was just an unbelievable opportunity to experience a different culture. I- I'm I'm a, originally a maths teacher, and was probably very process driven, probably very uh, you know. Uh, yeah process orientated and uh, you work hard to find the solution and it's not necessarily the results that's most important it's about uh, the process along the way and the journey to get to that solution so when, when I went to New Zealand I uh, course defence which was something new for me I worked a bit with Andy Farrell prior to going out there I had been a head coach pretty much an, an attack all, all the way up to that point and so having to do that I, I spoke to Tom Coventry who was a head coach out there um, I had 20 slides raw from my first defence meeting and TC said no nah, man that's that's nah, just not happening. Uh, I want three. So I was like, I can, I can reduce the down to three. That's not, that's not possible. So anyway, eventually, I think we settled on six. So I started, and obviously, you know, presenting is, is something I'm comfortable with. It's something I feel I'm... And uh, after, on to the second slide, there's one of the players in front of me. His eyes were starting to shut. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a real awakening for me, I suppose, where it was like, oh, okay. Um, and understanding that establishing a connection with the players, building a rapport was, was far more important. And I, and I think that that's probably been communicated a little bit. That was probably a really big thing for me. Um, I think in Ireland, we're very lucky with the educational background of, of, of a lot of the players that we work with and uh, their ability to process large volumes of information, a lot of detail. And it's not necessarily the same across the world and, and it's not necessarily better. So like for me, I was coming from the school of, of, uh, of Joe and, and uh, how, how that would work, a lot of detail and, and everything else. And probably pitched into that was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big shock to the system. I was exposed to other things over there as well. And one that I keep, keep, you know, going back to, someone like Mark Talia was there at the time. And for me, I could just see what Mark Talia couldn't do. You know, at the time, he had just come into the system early. He wasn't great. Uh defensively he wasn't great, so I was looking at it from from that lens and and that was probably really what I saw, Whereas I remember at the time you know Dan Hallangah who, who worked there and t c as well Tom Coventry who said to me, "Well listen you tell me about what you're going to do about what he can't um and uh, yeah, it was probably just a really good lesson for me, having the ability to see the bigger picture i guess and and uh, so that that was the first thing come back and, and obviously coach our his twenties uh, after that for me, it probably awakened an understanding of, of there is a whole other world there and there is a whole different way of doing it. And maybe it's not necessarily what you do, but how you do it and why you do it. Um, and, and probably worked quite a bit around that. And, and you know, even even with, um, I guess, with, with Irish players, you, you know, their ability to take on lots of information, but maybe that's not the best way. Maybe the game is a little bit simpler than that. And, and uh, you know, you hear a criticism a, a lot about people sometimes oh they don't have good detail or they don't have enough detail or yeah maybe maybe that was something that was challenged I guess a lot of the things that I taught and, and the way I thought was challenged in that first uh, in, in New Zealand we tried to do things a little bit differently around player ownership and, and around the players driving the plan a little bit more with the Irish 20s and and, and that certainly uh, you know worked to a degree and, and and then I guess going to South Africa. Just a fantastic challenge. You know, again, you look at the Sharks, you look at the the Kallari players that were there. They had just come off of winning the World Cup in, in 2019. A fantastic opportunity to, to learn and, and, and work in a different environment. And almost like I experienced something very similar to, to what happened in New Zealand. You know, your players come in whose first language was Xhosa or, or Zulu uh, or Afrikaans. Um, we had an Argentinian out-half, Tito Vanilla. Um, and then we had me with a thick Irish accent in the middle of them all as well so all all, all of that probably uh, you know really challenged how I coached how I connected with people um, how I tried to get my message across and, and I guess the one thing I, I would always say very little fear of failure in, in lots of ways Of so failing makes you better you know so it didn't always work I'll be very clear on that but I think you know through that process hopefully got better and and uh I think as well, I'd finish with the Irish 20s. I remember reading something at the time about the only way to get better coaching is to time in the saddle and coaching. And I'd stop coaching. I was the academy manager at Leinster as well, a job I loved. Um, but it was not on the pitch. What uh, was working with people, uh, I, I really missed it. And uh, yeah, as I said, the whole opportunity kind of came together to go to South Africa. I've got a very brave wife, uh, um, <laughs> to be honest. You know, she up with two young kids and went to New Zealand up sticks with three young kids and went to South Africa, yeah, it's probably something that can't be taken for granted, you know, uh, you should be well within the rights to say, listen, no, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, like, you're crazy, you've got a good job, uh, you know, just, yeah, well, uh, it, that's probably how it came about, I've been very lucky with the people that, that I've worked with along the way as well, um, you know, that gave me the opportunity, uh, as I mentioned, and I've always had this thing about uh, comfort zone, learning zone, panic zone. So, you know, if the comfort zone is in the middle, you've got to try and push out towards panic zone, uh, as much as possible and try and find that sweet spot.
2: And there's so much to discuss on that journey, but going back to the start, Johnny mentioned the the path. You mentioned you were a maths teacher. You didn't play rugby, right? So how did you get into coaching rugby? And I'm guessing it was sort of specifically the, the coaching element that attracted you and then why rugby, I guess?
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly it I, I was in university in Limerick uh, I, I was working towards a P and uh, a math's degree and uh, yeah just got, got an opportunity to to work in a in a boarding school in Limerick uh, someone came to the school it, it just went for there really it, it is an incredibly uh, accidental story you know I I do think ultimately I would have found coaching some somewhere or another whatever that might have looked like obviously played a lot of sports when I was younger it just yeah it wasn't wasn't rugby and um, PE was uh, yeah I, I was passionate about teaching and, and I still am you know I'm passionate about coaching obviously and uh, but that's how it came about it literally was as accidental as that and so they called the university. Uh, unfortunately, the guy they called, he's he since passed away, PJ Smith, but he was a fantastic rugby coach. Uh, he coached people like uh, Eddie O'Sullivan, Declan Kidney, who probably, uh, at the time, I didn't realize it, but served as a mentor, really. And then uh, another school came down to the university, and uh, they were looking for a P and maths teacher, and they were showed around the school by PJ. Uh, I don't know, though, PJ said, oh, that, this guy would be maybe a good option. So I ended up, that was Congo's, yeah, the school of... of the two Kearney brothers and Gordon Darcy, uh, Fergus McFadden and so on. And I've been very lucky, you know, some of the players that have worked it along the way. You know, my first group in think mean, first two groups, we went through two undefeated seasons. And really, a, an awful lot of that was just about the boys and working with them, you know, and then discovering the game, I guess, as as, as you go along. But I think I mentioned it already. There, there's no, um, There's no preconceived ideas or there was no fear of, this isn't how you do it. It was just figure it out. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and when you love something, uh, it's never work.
1: And what I love about your mate is that you weren't traditionally a player. So I love the fact that you were a hurler and a footballer as a youngster. Because I had, growing up, and especially in my early professional days, I had so many former rugby players that coaching for them was all about passion, energy, work rate but there was nothing of the word you used earlier that was lacking in my career with detail. Like when you talk about detail, it is space, it's distances, it's timing, it's rhythm, it's opportunities, it's creation. It's all these different ways of solving problems. But I never had any of that until I worked with Fabian Galtier, who was my coach, age 26. He's now one of the best coaches in the world. Whereas before that, I felt totally underserved as a player. So I love the fact that you've come from a completely different route, Different perspective, but still it's problem solving. That's what the game is. There are loads of different ways to play. How do you attack? How do you defend? It's a game of chess with big pieces. And I saw, like, you've described coaching previously as an addiction. So, how do you keep it all healthy? How do you find that right balance, keep it all in perspective, enjoy your coaching, but still manage to stay sane? Yeah, it's a,
0: it, it, it's a great question. Uh, just on on the first part that you mentioned, I, I couldn't agree more. For me, it, it's solving Problems. It's equipping people with the ability to understand what the problem is and to find the solutions. It's not about you don't always have to have all the solutions, and that's probably been one of the things for me as well. That you know we'll we'll figure it out. That's what good players do. Good players, good coaches help help each other to figure it out, Um, and uh, that's probably always been the philosophy in terms of finding the healthy balance. You know, w- when you work in Lancer Schools, I don't know if you know Lancer Schools, but it, it's 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 in, in its little microcosm, it's a massive thing, you, you, you know. And and I uh, remember at one stage we lost the senior cup final, we, we had an opportunity to win three in a row with uh, with uh, with Clongos, and uh, we lost the final to Dan Levy inspired Saint Michaels, and uh, yeah, were disconsolate afterwards, terrible as two thousand and twelve. And I remember afterwards my dad saying, said, listen, all." There's a small minority of people in Dublin that care about this competition. So I've got some work for you at home. So come on, get over it. And that that was probably uh, yeah, difficult to hear at the time. But, uh, you, you know, for him, it was like these boys have something much more important to look forward to. They've got their leave insert. They've got their full lives. You know, you've helped them to enjoy a period and you hopefully you've equipped them with some life skills. And, and uh, if you've done that, then you've done your job. It, it is tricky because... For my wife in particular, you know, it's an interesting one because it's like your pastime is your profession. So, like, if I want to take a break, maybe I'll watch some Premiership rugby, or you'll watch the URC, or you know, you'll uh, you'll read a book on on uh, on on coaching or or whatever it might be. So, th- that's the fine line, you, you know. The kids in particular are great. Um, I remember one time coming home, our very first uh, tour with the Sharks. I went back to Ireland. My, my wife and kids were still there. Uh, the eldest one said to me, said, oh, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, we won one out of four. Jeez, oh, that's not great, is it? And uh, I was like, well, oh, it wasn't too bad. It's just like, oh, you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, what a great way of looking at it, because she was right.
2: And bringing all that together, obviously, a lot of coaching is, you've kind of both alluded to it, it's kind of, yeah, problem solving, but also man management and dealing with people. You've gone from a few years ago, coaching youngsters to now coaching some of the best players in the world and also you have a background of of not playing rugby does that present problems just in terms of some people maybe having preconceived ideas of you and also in terms of getting the message across is it just as easy with the best players in the world is it easier or do you have to have a different approach to uh, when you're dealing with
0: youngsters ah, I, people are people i guess like uh, you know you're obviously um Talking about about uh, about different levels of the game, but I, I think it's very straightforward in terms of the playing part. You know, in terms of it will get you some credibility uh, if if you have played the game at a certain level. But ultimately, if you're not capable of adding value to the players, now, Well, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to add an awful lot, you know. So maybe it will uh, it will get you an opportunity to work with a team. But after that, you've got to add value to the players. You you've got to work hard. You've got to. Uh, show the ability to help them improve and, and, and get the best out of themselves. And, and that's what coaching is about. You, you know, it's not about getting the job. It's about what you do when you have it. And and uh, it's never been something for me. Um, yeah, for, for, for me, it, it's ultimately about trying to do the best possible job that I can do with whoever I work with. And, and uh, you know, regardless of who that is, you want to help them improve. You want to help them get the best out of them. And I, I think as well, like, I'm not trying to teach... Damian Penaud how to pass or, or Matthew Jellybear how to how to play square. You're trying to teach them how to play in this team, how to get the best out of this team, and 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 that's the the, the key the key part for me. The key ingredient, we, you know, for me the excitement is is the the sum of the parts. That's it. You know, it's it's about being part of something collectively that is far greater than you can individually ever be.
1: I think it's quality. I would have absolutely loved to have been a coach, but I didn't have the boss to do it. I wouldn't have been able to pack my family and go to South Africa. I was like, I just want the stability after playing and moving around all the different towns. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted the other thing. I want the stability. I regret it a little bit now. And it was interesting, the point you made about how do you keep it um, mentally um, stable? I remember getting down about a top 14 result, was captain at the side, upset, embarrassed. And my dad was like, Johnny, can you tell me what the LA Lakers score was? He's actually here with me as well. It's interesting you mentioned your dad made the same point. What was the LA Lakers score last week and who were they playing against? I was like, I got no idea. He was like, exactly. That's one of the biggest sporting organisations in the world. Do you think anybody cares about your problems in the team? that's No, like get on with it. There's more to life. Like, there you go. Dad rules. Dads are always right.
0: There's another great story uh, around that as well about Jamie Carragher spoke about wanting to, to coach and he said about, um, he said, Jürgen Klopp, Liverpool had just won the Champions League. He said, I want to be Jürgen Klopp, but I want to be Jürgen Klopp now. I don't want to be Jürgen Klopp for seven years at Mainz when he was coaching there. I don't want to be Jürgen Klopp for nine years at Borussia Dortmund when he was coaching there. I don't want to be Jürgen Klopp when everyone wanted him sacked when he arrived at Liverpool first. I want to be Jürgen Klopp now. And uh, it's probably a really good lesson as well in terms of it. Just it's like everything else. It
1: takes time, doesn't it? It does. You look at your Wayne Rooney's and people that are trying to step into Premiership football and not lasting long. And I guess it takes me to the next Part. I wanted to ask you about the influences you've had. You mentioned coaches within academic structures in, in Ireland, but the people that you've worked with so far, you spent time with Lanny, Stuart Lancaster at Leinster, um, your time there. He's now flying high with Racing. You're flying high with Bordeaux. Still in touch with him?
0: Yeah, listen. I, I think ultimately it's it's quite a it's quite an irony, isn't it, that it was Irish rugby that benefited most from England's exit from from, uh, from the World Cup. It, you know, and obviously I, I was at Leinster at the time, and uh, you know one of the first uh, meetings that Stuart took was to present his learnings from the World Cup, which in a bizarre way had never actually been presented to the RFU um you know so he finished working with with England and uh he he you know as I said it was one of the first staff meetings that we had and he he laid it bare it it was a fantastic meeting it was emotional in lots of ways I'm sure for him but his desire was to help people and and uh you know share what he had learned from what was a particularly difficult period in in uh, in his life and you know listen it, it was it was fantastic for me um Working, you know, working with him at at, at a distance. I, I, I guess you know because you know he obviously was at the senior team. The connection with Leinster is quite strong. One of the biggest strengths, I suppose, of of, of the club is how tightly knitted they are from top to bottom. Really, uh, you know, from CEO all the way down to to the academy and and uh, and the sub academy level. But some of the things that I would have taken from from Stuart were were certainly uh, some of the lessons that he learned there around finding the balance. Uh, you know, he was very clear that. He maybe lost sight of the balance between coaching, leadership and management um, and maybe got too much caught up in in, in the management side of things. And, and you know, I certainly don't want to speak for him or or or, uh, or anything. That was something that I've probably always been cognizant of. And, and obviously, you know, from a coaching perspective, it took an awful lot from him as well, in terms of how he just structured his his coaching sessions and and what that looked like, how he coached decision-making and, and, uh, yeah, the unstructured side to the game, I think, was a real strength uh, that he brought into the Irish, uh, certainly into the Leinster team, obviously, you know, to a certain degree to the Irish side as well. So, um, yeah, very, very lucky to have coincided with that era. But, you know, when, when you work in Leinster, I guess you work with very competent people uh in in lots of different areas and i remember graham henry came in uh the first year i was there he spent a few weeks there and uh i remember having a coffee with him and one stage one thing he said to me he said listen just take your time build your, your career you're 35 years of age he said when i was your age i was a principal of a school in new zealand and that was something that probably resonated because we're all impatient aren't we you just want to you know yeah, I, I want this or i want that or i want the other and it, it just yeah, fantastic advice. And Leo obviously is, is, is somebody who's gone a, a very different route and, and done incredibly well. Uh, you know, he, he's done a remarkable job, really, from a, a difficult starting point. You know, and he's somebody that didn't have the luxury of building a bank of experience and, and figured it out along the way. Um, but yeah, he's done a, an incredible uh, job at Leinster and obviously would have learned a lot from him, particularly around the people piece and, and uh, uh, how you. Bring together a, a large group of people. That was my biggest lesson from the Irish Twenties. You know, the first year, I I thought it was just once I get the players right, that's it. Every everywhere there's an opportunity to learn. I, I was very lucky out of a, a brilliant uh, maths tutor when I did my teaching practice. And uh, at the end of my lesson, he said to me, he "said Listen, I you know, was a really good lesson, everything." I said, "But you missed so many teaching moments." And he said, "The teaching moments are just opportunities to learn that just happen organically." He said, you just missed so many in that lesson. You remember when X said this? You could have maybe built on that and brought real-life connection to that. Or do you remember when this happened? Maybe you could have done that here. And I I guess that's something that, you know, 20 years later, it still stands out in my mind. But there are so many opportunities to build connection with people, but also learning moments in every day for me and and for the people you work with.
2: And on Bordeaux, and some of the players you have at your disposal there, I'm sure you're learning things every day from from some of them. Just to touch on a few, because we've described it as arguably the best backline in the world, one of the younger members, and you're obviously used to working with with youngsters in Ireland, Louis Biel Bierre, he has lit up the as- international scene already. It, it, where does he sort of sit in the list of youngsters, certainly in that position that you've coached?
0: Um, yeah, listen... For me, uh, I, I would never rank or, or, or rank him. He's a fantastic player. Um, who uh, you know, I love. I love working with. As I said, I loved working with Apollili Fassi. I loved working with Hugo Keenan. I loved working with Jimmy O'Brien. I, I loved. I've, I've worked with lots of, of different players in, in that position. And for me, it's always been a case of uh, trying to help Louis be the best version of Louis, and, and not you know, he doesn't need to be oh, did you see X do this? Did you see Y do that? Or I saw this guy before. Uh, I, I think we've all uh, read that passage where David Moyes was trying to coach uh, Nemanja Vidic how to defend like uh, Phil Jagielka, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, I don't think that's really, for me, it's about trying to help him become the best possible uh, version of himself. And so, some of that is, uh, you know, he, he's he's incredibly young. He has some uh, fantastic enthusiasm for, for the game. He's incredible pace. He's got great vision. It's some of it is just helping him understand the pictures that he's seen and, and uh, understand some of the other solutions maybe that uh, that are out there. Recognise uh, the opportunities that present themselves. Sometimes the exuberance of youth means that they work a little bit too much and, and uh, maybe miss some of the opportunities that are a little bit closer. And, and that's been one of the, the the biggest things for me, I guess, with, with with the the group that we have here is just trying to improve our. Our scanning, trying to improve our ability to play together.
1: What's he like as a personality? No, he's still very young. Obviously, developing as a young man. But what's he like as a character? Uh,
0: he's 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 a brilliant, he's a brilliant character. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you. A, we, we did a one to one there recently, and uh, I sent him a little story about. I don't know if you know the the Stephen Covey's book is the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. W- one of the habits is is a little story about uh, about big rocks and. Uh, It's it's about a university professor who gives his group, he gives them rocks, uh, pebbles, gravel, and sand. And he asked them to put them into a container. Um, And obviously the only way you can put them into the container was if you put the big rocks in first. You put the big rocks in first, then you put the pebbles, then you put the gravel, then you put the sand, and it will all fit nice and neatly into the container. So students struggled to do this, and afterwards he explained. And then the professor explained to the boys uh, and and girls, it it was a mixed group, he said... uh, you know this is like life. You know, if you um don't put your first priorities in first, then you know your second and third. Well then maybe you end up spending your life sorting gravel and sorting sand. Um you know my analogy is is uh you know in life and, and in rugby you've got to identify your big rocks I and mean, then you've got to make time to mind them and this was one of the things uh, that that i sent to louis and when we had the meeting he's like oh it's really interesting he said my dad used to tell me that story when i was a kid if i was spending too much time playing computer games so uh, you 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 mentioned your dad already johnny is probably a good insight into in terms of 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 how uh, how louis was brought up and and uh, yeah he's just got a really really good in his shoulders he's really clear about how to get better he's really diligent about uh, about how to get better. And, and you know, the exciting thing for, for this team and the individuals within the team is there's absolutely no ceiling.
2: On the other wing for you is someone who is definitely incomparable. And we know Damian Pano is probably the best winger in the world at the moment in terms of form over the past couple of years. But we, Johnny and I, have spent a lot of time talking about him in terms of his character. And he is obviously a one-off whoever you talk to we've heard people say his nickname stifler we've heard he's a he's a joker uh, but obviously he's a serious guy as well he's a serious professional and he's obviously matured a lot as well he's developed as a person as a, as well as as a a rookie player i just wonder when you've got a guy like that uh, clearly it's the collective and it's as you described how you get that backline that team to to work together to to become the best they can possibly be but for him particularly is is it trying to get his hands on the ball as much as possible or how do you kind of get the best out of a guy who is clearly already at that level
0: yeah that's that's exactly it. You, you know, he certainly is a one-off, and and uh, but you'll hear lots of people describe James Law as a one-off. Mack Hansen is a one-off. Uh, I, I think every team benefits from having somebody who has a, a, a different outlook, and I think that's the beauty of, of Damien. He probably sees things a different way, and uh, yeah, he's certainly been been great for me. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll challenge as well. He, he wants to contribute to uh, to the group. Obviously, for us and and for the background, we we try and have a. Uh, a structure where there's freedom with responsibility, you know, and that's that's what it looks like. You've got the freedom, you know. We we do look at the back tree and where their involvements are. And for me, you're trying to paint a picture where we're getting the ball into the back tree's hands as much as possible. You know, we've got a we've got a fast car. We want to drive it, uh, you know. So that's uh, that's that's it, really, you know. And and uh, we're still trying to figure it out, you know. And and that's I think I mentioned it at the start. That's what we're trying to do together. Uh, it's not me saying this is what it has to like. It's We're trying to find out how to get the absolute maximum out of this group of players and how to get that cohesion and that instinct. And it was probably lacking a little bit on the weekend. You know, we felt we created a lot of opportunities against Bayon. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, for a variety of different reasons, we're probably missing that last one or two percent. And, you know, when you're five or six people are missing 1 or 2%. It's 12%. I've got a match degree now, so you don't need to question that some lads. I'm I'm, I'm certain of it. Um but uh, yeah, th- th- that's that's exactly it. So we're, we're just trying to figure out uh, I, I guess um yeah, how to be collectively as, as good as we possibly can and I, I do think uh, you know the 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 team piece um you know if everybody was the same it would be a very boring place. Uh, and potentially incredibly frustrating as well. So that that's the beauty of what, what someone like uh, like Damien brings as well. You know, if you if you thirty five Damiens, it could be a different story. Um, but yeah, he, he's been a brilliant contributor. <laughs> he's been a brilliant contributor to the group, and and uh, obviously, I joked with him after the Perpignan game. I said, you know, he made me a twenty percent better tech coach today. So maybe a fifty percent better tech coach today. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 brilliant to, to to have him in the
1: team. 35 stiflers. There's a thought, <laughs> isn't it? No chance. Um, um, it's, it's amazing. It's also really nice to see just Bordeaux in general, because it's always been a side that has had big budget. It's been well backed by Laura Marty and, and there's been good money put behind it, but it's never quite punched. It nearly got there with Christoph Urios, decent levels. But now when you see the product and, and again, this goes back to my point about detail, when you see the types of tries that are being created You know, from first phase tries with creativity that obviously you've set up off field, like the ones that run against Bristol in the Champions Cup, like really curated, nice pieces of play. That's one of the biggest compliments you can give coaches. I know during the season it counts for nothing because you want to be there and win at the end. We had Uri also said it counts for nothing to be the champions of autumn. He said that with all of his clubs, like the money time comes at the end of the year, but it's a joy to watch. So for neutrals like us who get to watch these games in the top 14, Bordeaux now are and have been a joy to watch this season. And the players within that we've mentioned on the wing is easy, they're rapid, they're finishing. Other characters, Mathieu Jalibert, who there's a bit of a clash with Urios previously, but I think he had 30 odd carries against Bayonne. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, positive or a plan, or if it's just the way the game <laughs> panned out. But again, what's he like? Like Having these guys to work with, I mentioned the two wingers, but you've got the sort of axe of a French team now. I'm assuming Luku will be your starter in that game against Ireland. He'd be my pick anyway, but you've got Leucou, Jalibert, Fana. So the boys that are orchestrating, that are planning things out, the drivers, I'd imagine they'll be your leaders as well, your 9 and 10. What are these guys like to work with day in, day out and how they go about driving that back line and how you want to play?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, in terms of the uh, the process we got an attack group here we meet on a monday morning uh we review uh, you know the the game from uh, from the from the weekend uh, you know it's a group of about six or seven players we agree um or, you know debate initially potentially and, and agree on the on on, on the message uh for, for the team, we agree on what we did well, what we want to improve on, and and then we look forward to the the the, the game on the weekend. And, and again, you look at the plan. We agree on the plan. Uh, at some stage later on that that day, we'll we'll meet again uh, with with uh, you know with with the key nine and ten agree on on the the plays for that week uh, that we're going to look at, and, and and then the group drive it through the week. You know, for me, the coach's voice decreases as the week goes on. You know, so like at the start of the week, it's a lot about that. Teaching, learning, uh, you know, clarity of 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 what we're about, and uh, you know, without clarity, there can be no accountability. And 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 then, really, as as you go through the week, you pass the mantle over. You know, Matthew's been absolutely fantastic, incredible. Uh, you know, and and uh, it, it, it's kind of marrying that ability to bring detail uh, with the ability to make instinctive decisions. Um, and I, I can't pay him any higher compliment than that. You, you know, he has the ability to. Uh, deliver uh, uh, on 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 a plan and deliver on detail, but he also has the ability to make instinctive decisions in the moment and and back it with pace. You know, if, if he sees opportunities, his ability to take it is is uh, is first class. So, it's it's been brilliant uh, working, uh, yeah, working working with him and and Maxime Luku, obviously the same, and you know equally we've got young uh, young nine and and and, uh, and ten at the club as well that we're trying to develop at the same time and recognise that. Exactly what you said, uh, Johnny, a few minutes ago. You know, it's you can't c- confuse moment in the season with the season. You know, we, we've uh, we're at a moment in the season now. Ultimately, it'll be judged at at as, uh, you know our ability to surf the big wave in uh, in May and June. So, I, I think for us, it, it's it's uh, we've got a process in terms of how we work. Yannick has been very clear in terms of how he sees and his vision of how we work as well, which has been brilliant. You know, for me, I think I mentioned at the start, kind of the twenty-six slides and the forty-five-minute lectures. It, it's it's not the way to do it. You, you know, there's much more. Sometimes at the backs, we just have a coffee, which is controversial with the with the forwards as well, as they're uh, as they're working hard. But yeah, just that informal setting encourages a point of view. It encourages better communication. It encourages better conversations. Sometimes it's, it's just smaller groups working together with their. Uh, Centers together, factory together, nines and tens together, having a chat. Okay, boys, do you want to show anything? Do you want to discuss anything? Yeah, can we get this clip, this clip, this clip? We discuss those. Or so it's, it's, yeah, it's it's probably different ways of doing it to try to keep, keep it fresh and, 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 uh, to try to increase the, player ownership as well um because ultimately that's for me you know Matthew doesn't believe in in the plan or matteo or, or or whoever plays it doesn't believe in the plan then they're not going to go out and deliver to the best of their ability you know so it's about having the best choice best fit for the team with what we have and then your best effort best possible effort on the weekend and and uh you know it will it will rarely be perfect but if you give your best effort then we'll learn from it and we'll get better
2: we're about to head into a big couple of weeks in the Champions Cup. Johnny and I have spoken generally, the French clubs didn't start particularly well in December. Bordeaux, obviously, pretty much a perfect start. And Bordeaux were one of the teams that you kind of thought out of the competition, could have a good crack in it. This season isn't the case for all of the French sides who often prioritised the top 14. Is it something that you spoke about as a coaching group ahead of the start of the Champions Cup, whether this was could be your year?
0: Yeah, I, I, I suppose, uh... You know, the Champions Cup, for, certainly uh, for, for Yannick, was, was, was a, a target. You know, it's a competition that he, he knows as a player, he knows as a coach. It's something that, uh, you know, we, we did discuss and, and uh, yeah, certainly keen to put our best foot forward. You know, probably the players as well are motivated by playing against the best, you know, and, and there's an opportunity to do that, you know. So I think it, it wasn't a big uh, sales pitch to them. You know, from the outset, they were clear they wanted to... Yeah, to compete to the best of their ability, we probably feel like we have we've got a good team. Yeah? So it's, it's it's as simple as that. You know, we've got an opportunity to to do well in the competition and test ourselves against some of the best players. And and probably the best way of uh, you know stress testing, if you like, you know, this weekend against Saracens, get an opportunity to play against you know probably one of the the most aggressive line speeds in in, in club rugby. So. You know, what a fantastic opportunity for, 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 for us to, to test ourselves, I guess, and, and to look at, you know, it's a brilliant challenge uh, against what largely speaking is an international team. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just excited about, uh, about the opportunity in, in the competition whilst recognizing that the next two weekends we've had a reasonable start, but it's only 50%. You know, this weekend we face multiple time champions next weekend we face a daunting trip to the highveld uh, against a, a rampant bulls team who haven't lost since M's miracle uh, miracle uh, restart receive run for kick and try and uh, i think it was 2021 so yeah it, it, it's um, yeah it's a fantastic competition you know the color the the the, the noise the vibrancy the different teams the you know, for me, it, it's just it's just brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, really excited to see what, what it looks like this weekend against uh, against the stacked Saracens team.
1: And so against that stacked Saracens team, let's get into the detail. We talked about it earlier. Let's get the math section. What is your approach or how is your approach different when it comes to playing in Saracens big, aggressive line speed? What is it that your back line will adjust or change or exploit when playing against a side like Saracens?
0: Yeah, no, th- th- that's that's a great question, John. Yeah. No, I think against every team, it's different. For me, your defense, the, the opposition defence gives you your attack. You don't go in saying, we're just going to do this because it suits us. So, like, obviously, when you play against a team like Saracen's, who are incredibly aggressive in terms of their line speed, incredibly aggressive in terms of their time in the tackle, incredibly aggressive in terms of the pressure that they put through the ruck, and also allied to a very, very strong kicking game, so you've got to find the balance in terms of your counterattack and the opportunities that you look to take. You've got to make sure that you're focused on winning races. Um, you know because that's something that they do brilliantly. Uh, you know the things that require no talent. I think uh, starson's used to talk a lot about uh, effort errors being unacceptable. Well, it's clear. Uh, you know when you watch them, it's pretty clear that that's ingrained in them. So yeah, they're they're. There are uh, obviously little bits and pieces around the kicking game that you've you've got to work. You've got to work out a counter-attack because we don't want to take that away because obviously it's 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 one of our strengths. But you can't just say, "Well, we're going to counter on everything." Um, you know, in terms of of uh, the setups, you know, off of off uh, they're incredibly aggressive. So you've got to have a plan around how you can negate that to an extent. How you can create some doubt in that as well, because mathematically speaking, there is space no matter what you do, no matter how aggressive you are, it just means you leave a space somewhere else quicker. And, you know, so that's that's the reality. And, and uh, you know, we mentioned a, a problem, you know, at the start of every week, we've got a problem to solve, And the feedback's coming on the weekend. Um, you know, for us, that's the exciting part of, of Saracens. They present a significant problem, um, but uh, it's not unsolvable. So uh, for us, it's it trying to, to, to pick the best tools, create the best plan, and then give our best effort on the weekend. And, and equally, you know, sometimes what you scout is not what you get. You know, it's so obviously Bristol. We looked at them a lot. They came and they just didn't play. So when, when they came to, to to Bordeaux, they didn't play. They just kicked everything. So, like, we obviously had looked at them and, you know, they they played a lot. There were some opportunities on tower attack. There were some different opportunities uh, that that you know they were giving up that they didn't give up so what you scout is not always what you get so your players have to have the ability to adapt as well um, and uh, that's probably one of the things that I would say similar for this weekend. You know, Saracen's game has evolved. They they are looking to attack more. I think they've scored a lot more tries, um, you know, than, than maybe they, they have done in in, in, uh, in previous years and, and are less reliant on a kicking game in defence. But we have to have the ability to adapt as well if we get presented with a different picture on Sunday evening.
2: Really interesting. Just quickly before we let you go, Noel, we spent a lot of time talking about your journey and how varied it's been. You've obviously only been at Bordeaux, six months, a lot still to come there. But in terms of your personal ambitions for the future, it will obviously depend on how things unfold. Opportunities will present themselves. But would you like to be a head coach one day, a director of rugby? Is that where it's heading? Is the ultimate dream to coach Ireland or internationally?
0: Uh, I'm I'm not a dreamer. Eh? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think for me it's it's very straightforward. All, all of those decisions are outside my control. All, all that's in my control is doing the best possible job where I am, and uh, that's what I love doing, and that's what I, I will continue to do. So, you, you know, whether that was coaching the under-13s at Klangos, it was about doing the best possible job I could do with that group, and and uh, enjoying the, the the journey whilst doing it. So. That's if, that is that that's the ambition to be honest um, and uh, everything else that happens after that will be as a consequence of living like that so yeah that's that's very much uh, the ambition and and uh, i guess the second part of that is uh, ensuring that my family are, are are happy as well you know so we've got three kids uh you know you guys mentioned some of the challenges that come around to that as well so that's obviously a, a very important piece for me yeah i, I love doing what i'm doing and and uh, we'll we'll continue to work hard to ensure that i put you know the best possible product out every week that we can
2: and you were known as super mac i think in ireland where did that come from and <laughs> has it made its way over to france or do we need to get johnny to spread it far no away?
0: No, no 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 definitely not definitely not <laughs>
2: Very uh-huh. modest, but Johnny, spread it out there. I'm
1: more Big Mac. We can get Super <laughs> Mac up to Bordeaux. That's great.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much, Noel. Really interesting. And um, good luck at the weekend against and Sun for the rest of
1: the season. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Noel. Cheers. No problem. Cheers, lads.
2: Super Mac, Johnny. Spread it far and wide in France. Very
1: modest, but clearly going places. Mate, he has got a huge reputation. So I'd heard about this guy. And how, how did you hear about an Irish coach through Leinster Schools Academy system who is in South Africa. I'd heard about this guy when he was coaching the Sharks. Um, Massive potential, great approach, good bloke, but fundamentally gets shit done and gets a really good end product out of whatever team he's coaching. Be that the under-13s that he was joking about at the end or the Sharks or Bordeaux. So, I mean, like every single side that he has touched so far... Um, and the rugby community is a small community. Everybody is absolutely raving about Noel as a coach, as a bloke. Um, and you can just see the passion that comes through when he speaks at length about people, about ways of playing, about detail. That's what you want as a player. Um, so great to have him on. He was a great talker as well. Really good conversation. Great to know that he's well and settled in Bordeaux and they're flying, mate. So, yeah, Super Mac, Big Mac. <laughs> great to have him on. Um, but yeah, just great to have another young coach. And again, what I love is the different approach. Isn't a former player, yeah, but has a methodical, structured, process-like approach. And it's detail. And th- that is the difference now with top-level games. Is And he mentioned that even with something simple about line speed, if you've got an aggressive line speed, you're leaving space somewhere else. So expect chip kicks to slow down line speed. Expect cross-field kicks. Expect taking the game to the middle of the field and then flicking back down the short side. All these different ways. There's different ways to exploit different systems, um, and that's what high level rugby is. It's an aggressive game of chess. And the best teams, yes, they have the best pieces, but they also have the best chess masters, the best people at choosing and adopting the best moves and best processes for their players. So, really interesting. Great to have him on, and a really good personality. Yeah, he
2: maybe didn't want to be drawn too much on comparing obviously individuals. He's clearly. A- massively effective at dealing with individuals and different individuals. Very good on Damien Penno for example, who we always talk about. But the detail in France, perhaps historically changing a bit at the moment, but there are still a lot of teams who will sort of go out, play their own way. Very insightful to hear him say, the opposition defence gives you your attack. So clearly they're going to change week to week.
1: Yeah, well, you have your base template and your structures of how you want to play, but there are different things within... You know, Within your armory that you pull out depending on who you're playing against, depending on the defensive structures, if it's a blitz defense, if it's a flat, um, hard press, if it's an up and out, there's all these different points that you choose, different starter plays or different launches. Generally, once you get into your multi phase, your structures are the same, but you know that different options are more effective. Like, you know, if you're playing against the big blitz, you'd try and punch through it as opposed to playing out the back and getting caught in midfield. There's all these different ways that you would problem solve and fix, but that language comes from your coaches that understand the challenges that you're up against and then can get you effectively communicate that within the team that you have, your Lukus, your jollylly bears and then that gets deployed within your other chess beaches. you know you, your tight five that might be in the middle of the field right lads this week buckle up. we're gonna have to punch through the middle so need big carries next week boys, get your hands on if the call communication comes back out from your Ben Tappa wise. Or you're more a fan has, we're going to go wide and, and beat this blitz or play wide to, you know, puncture a, a drift defense. So all, all these different ways. But, but you're right, that that is fundamentally what every team tries to do. But not every coach is effective at getting those messages over, making the right decisions, identifying the right um, plays to use. Um, whereas Noel sounds like with his approach, um, he's on the money.
2: Far more interesting to listen to Noel talk all day long than us bang on about the top 14, Johnny, but we should round up
1: Agreed. what was a busy festive
2: period just briefly before we move on to the Champions Cup. And it was a good few weeks for Perpignan, wasn't it? They beat Bayonne at home, Castaway, Oina at home, and all of a sudden they've risen up the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still tight at the bottom, but, but great mm-hmm. festive period for Perpignan. You know, you've got Bayonne we're sitting in 10th on 24 points. Perpignan, they've scraped up to 21 points with those three wins. You've got Oyonnax and Leon are now sat on 20. Montpellier down in 16, incredibly. Still can't believe they're sitting last. But great series one for Perpignan who were worthy winners in each and every one of those games. solo to mate. He's been the difference. Yeah. He's magnificent. The go-forward, he gives them the simple carries, the yardage, the offloads, just creating things out of nothing and allowing them to get on the front foot. But they've done really well to win all of those little tight fixtures against other sides at the wrong end of the table during a difficult part of the year, traditionally for everyone. Like horrible pitches, rain, muddy, turgid games. They'll be absolutely delighted. Um, so yeah, really positive for Perpignan. Montpellier won as well at the weekend, but they're still down the bottom, but it's going to be tight. Yeah, we've
2: been speaking about Montpellier all season, obviously, and how they were disappointing, Cocker's gone, et cetera, et cetera. But we haven't spoken a lot about Leon. Any Anyone can lose at
1: Toulouse, clearly. Yeah. They did get
2: hammered, 45-0. That can happen. But how are they finding themselves second bottom?
1: They, they've had a tough run of fixtures as well, to be fair. So they've come up against some big teams. They just, I think the fixture before Toulouse, they just beat Montpellier by two points, which is an important home win. But... Look, again, it's a changing coaching structure. They've got young coaching staff that were brought in at the start of the season. We've talked about that. You've got Arno Heggie who's come in as well as forward coach. He's trying to do a decent job, but this is their first big job. And the top 14's cruel, mate. We speak about it every year. It's not a place for learning. It's a place for big personalities, knowing how to get things done, imposing a game plan and winning games. Leon as well in terms of, the players they have, there's a few players clearly looking away. You've got Demabemba looking to get away. You've got Big Tao, Tau Fanua apparently looking to move. So all of these things reek of maybe a lack of stability behind the scenes. You've had years you've had Xavier Garbajosa, he's been removed. It just hasn't been settled. So maybe that has all weighed on them and now they're kind of paying the price. Again, with the staff, the squad that they have, they shouldn't be in that position. They should be ahead of Oyanax. They should be ahead of Perpignan. Their budget's probably bigger than Bayon. They should be up there, but it's the difference of four points, mate. They're four points off Bayon. They're sat second bottom with Oyanax, but they should be punching and doing better. They've got a slightly easier run of fixtures after the Champions Cup games, and they'll be looking to pick up a few points as well. Um, but like you said, I think any team at the minute can go to Toulouse and play against that Toulouse side with the power, with the ability to finish, 75% of sides that go to Toulouse at the minute are probably going to lose by a, a decent score. And there's just another one that's just been absolutely pumped. To lose at the minute, a strong, effective ball with ball in hand. And they blew Leon off the park. And we knew they'd come back stronger after a poor first start to the season. Loads of reasons why they've
2: not started as well as you might expect. But Lara Schell yep. still only mid table, but they had a decent festive period. And Greg was back, wasn't he? Back with a bang like he'd never been away.
1: He's a freak. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to say, I mean, it's the nicest thing you can say to a back. He's, he's a freak. He's an absolute freak. 20 out of 20 tackles, turnovers, carries. He looked energized. He looked fit. He looked hungry. He spoke in the press this week as well. We'll need to get him back on over the next few weeks or before the Six Nations. But just about the need to have that break. Um, And, and you, you're right. La Rochelle, for a number of different reasons, haven't fired. But he is their talisman. He is the man that gives them that grunt, that go forward, gets them on the front foot, makes it difficult for opposition, weighs in with three or four turnovers every single game, along with Bottia, who was like sensational again at the weekend. Um, but with him back, Lara now have all of their players, and they as a team just look more settled. Found their rhythm, a win away at Poe, who are flying. Again, they've been top four since the start of the season against two Whitelock brothers, not just one. You've now got Sam as well in the mix. It's a good post side. So for La Rochelle, and again, is that maybe the shot in the arm that they needed just before Champions Cup to go on a run now and get themselves through into the next round? I hope it is. But Greg was phenomenal. Great to see him back. Great for the French team as well. Ronald O'Gara, will be delighted to have him back in the yellow and black of La Rochelle um, because he was just exceptional as he always is. Um, he was exceptional at the weekend.
2: Let's quickly look ahead to round three of the Champions Cup There, and You mentioned La Rochelle. It's must-win for them, really, against Leicester at home.
1: Must win. Absolutely. I'll be up at that one for TNT Sports this weekend for the British TV. Um, but they have to win. They have to win that game. And realistically, they probably have to try and bag a bonus point as well to affect their next round. So, yeah, they haven't won as yet in the competition. They must win that game. And you'd also be asking them. And Roger will be the same. He'll be wanting them to try and nick a five-pointer if they can. Um, but that's against Leicester, who have travelled well. They were decent um, in Paris in the second round of the competition against Stade Francais. But La Rochelle backfiring, confident, big away win to Port the weekend. I expect five points from them against Leicester.
2: And we've spoken about how a lot of the French sides didn't start well in the opening couple of rounds in December. Stade Francais, Bayonne. Maybe going to send the reserves to Leinster and Northampton, you'd think, given the chances that they might have. But what
1: are the other big ones for
2: the French sides?
1: I think stade Français and Bayonne will be sending the bin juice. That's not to say the bin juice doesn't work, because the bin juice for Bayon went to Munster and won. They then lost to Glasgow at home, so not great, but... You know, there's something to be said to the bin juice. Don't always write off the bin juice, <laughs> but I think that's what Stad Francais and Bayonne will send. Spoken by someone who might have been in a bin juice <laughs> at some point. No. Captain. But no, never, never. Captain of the bin juice, right? No, there's some crackers this weekend. Um, Bath against Racing. So you got Finn Russell up against his old side and his old teammates. That'll be great uh, down at the wreck. Ulster to lose. They've produced some great fixtures over the years as well. Toulouse going to Ulster. Toulon Monster is a bit of a strange one because we don't know what to expect from Toulon. Monster um, have been a bit of a mixed bag as well this season. Loads of injuries, Monster as well. Yeah, so that's not going to be easy. Leon, mate, they 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 need something, and again, their next rounds away from home. So you got to think they'll put all their eggs into this game at home against at this weekend because they need to find confidence. They need to build before they get back into top fourteen, but. Personally, the game of the weekend, I thought was going to be doing this one to the TV, is Bordeaux-Saracens. Bordeaux are, for me, the pick of the French sides alongside Toulouse at the minute. Up against English rugby royalty, Saracens, Owen Farrell, you'll be looking for a holiday out down by Arcachon. Uh, Outside Bordeaux this weekend, potentially, as he travels in with Saracens, but that is going to be the clash. And it was really cool to hear Noel talk about it, but how will Bordeaux play? How will Saracens enjoy... Thirty-five thousand sellout at Shaban Delmas, which is not an easy place to go to. Up against one of the best backlines in the world at the minute, will their press defense and their line speed suffocate them, or will the power of Bordeaux's pack? I'm not sure if you watched Big Ben Tamifuna against Bordeaux against Bayon last weekend. Man, he's smoking, boys. So can Saracens deal with that power, and can Bordeaux deal with the Saracens line speed? So looking forward to seeing all these little challenges within the game and how that pans out, but should be an absolute cracker. Can't wait.
2: Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Noel McNamara for joining us and thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can, check us out on Rugby Pass as well as on YouTube and we'll be back with another episode next week. we if on Happy New Year, Johnny.
1: Happy New Year, mate. See you next
2: week. Bye. <laughs>